Hello there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wiki Weekdays podcast. Hello. I am your host, Lucas Holland, and of course, you can just hear Carl Smallwood coming right in there. Oh, yes, that's the way Smallwood enters. <laughs> unexpectedly from behind. Oh, dear. And speaking of unexpected, an unexpected thing may be happening for our listeners, Carl. Which um, is? Of course, that is that we uh, like to actually take holidays at some time. Oh, yeah, we do, don't we? That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. That, well, we're taking people, right? time off. Yeah, we, we are. We, we're people. We like, we've got families and friends and lives. Yeah, we are. So we are actually taking some time off after this week's worth of content. So, like... Uh, this will be the last podcast that you listen to in 2023 from us. But, you know, we try to keep things evergreen, so we're going to move swiftly onwards and get straight into it. Yes. This, of course, is the Wiki Week Days podcast where both Carl and I bring a wiki entry for us to discuss each week. Mm-hmm. And uh, this week is going to be Carl's wiki first and then mine, and you're going to have to decide which wiki won this week. And, of course, you know, when we've done both discussions you can let us know in the comments uh which wiki won this week and which was like your favorite discussion yes and also you know just remember if you like this video by the end of it also just to like share subscribe all all that lovely nonsense but yeah and it's a shame we have to ask that at the starks uh, the work i've been doing for wiki week not wiki weekends uh, top tens and like biographics mm-hmm. geographics i got like a little note from the uh the producers are like, hey, can you just mention like, comment, subscribe at the beginning of the video? I went, but you're supposed to ask it at the end. And I know, but if we ask it at the start, more people do it. Yeah, that's like, the weird okay, thing. It's like, but they don't know off. whether they like the content yet or not. It's like, it's one of those weird things of like, oh, but a lot of like the average watch time is like half the length of a video. So you've got to ask all of the people at the start rather than at the end. It's yeah. like, I'm sorry, we've just got to do some like actual hosting stuff sometimes. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'll be thinking, well, if all watch time is half what the video is, why don't you just make the video half as long? Because if you make a video half as long, the average watch time is half of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it doesn't matter what video length your video is at. Normally the watch time is about half. Yeah, which I, my fact fiend, our analytics for ages, where I, when I'd share them with people I know behind the scenes, they'd be like, fascinated by our analytics if we always had people watch two-thirds of our videos mm. like, i've never seen analytics that high and it goes yeah it's just one of those things but thank you to everyone who does watch to the end and you know, Absolutely. apologies that we have to do all this spiel but this is part of the game i'm afraid it is indeed yes it's all part of that youtube game of getting to be number one and speaking of number one and being evergreen <laughs> my wiki for this week is a list of uk singles charts christmas number ones because christmas is in two weeks it is the holiday season it is upon us the holiday season in general is here yes and of course that means that we just have to play what is it called everyone play like whamageddon or something whamageddon yes we could talk yes. about that that's the thing so it's a, just a discussion about christmas music and uh, using the wiki entry as a jump off point but mm-hmm. yeah like people watching at home you see i'm listening to headphones like every time i do this podcast i've always got some music on in the background and i'm listening to my christmas playlist i love christmas so this is I, just where i get so me, christmassy as a, an editor i just like crank up the wham now and make everyone fail I'm not going to do well? it, don't worry. Like, someone, like, nearly threw hands with um, a DJ for playing Wham. Oh, like, a DJ at, like, a club played Wham. And, like, a bunch of people went up and started giving him grief for losing Whamageddon. Because people, like, don't explain Whamageddon for people. If they don't... Um, It's just, like, when the month of December starts, is it? People start playing, like, 
Whamageddon and it's to go as long um, throughout the month without listening to the Wham Christmas song. Yes. Um, which is started, which song again? Uh, Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Last Christmas, yeah. And the idea, it was started after George Michael's unfortunately passed away. As a, a me- like, you know, in memory of him, of See How Long, because it's such a popular Christmas song. Like, mm-hmm. After he passed away, obviously that was like the number one Christmas song that year. Or at least it was like the one that was like downloaded the most, I think. And mm-hmm. it became just like this joke online of see how long you can make it through December without listening to Wham's Last Christmas. And some DJ played Last Christmas at a bar <laughs> and a bunch of people, because people put bets on it now. It's like a thing people mm-hmm. put bets on. Like, you know, like gentlemen's bets are like, the last person to do it wins a pint or whatever from their friend group. And they mm-hmm. genuinely nearly threw hands with the DJ for playing Jesus it. It's like they Christ. all lost Whamageddon. It's, like, it's meant to be fun. Yeah, that's the thing. It's meant to be fun. But, Lucas, there's a competitive element to it, so of course we will ruin it. <laughs> of course. And, um, I, you know, I I don't mind Christmas songs. I'm not the person like you who's, like, constantly got them on during December. But like, I love Christmas so much. I love I Christmas, retail, but... I hate it. Yeah. I, like, I love Christmas, but I don't love Christmas songs. Apart from, like, admittedly, it was quite nice working at Nando's because, like, they'd put on Christmas songs, but it'd be, like... A bunch of like, um, like you know, Afro Caribbean Christmas songs and stuff, oh, and like, like, like Boney a M. bunch of like, like random the... Christmas songs you'll never have heard of. They had like the Nando's Christmas playlist, and it was actually really nice. Yeah, and that's the thing of like, because Christmas songs, like my mom loves Christmas, and she has the same CD double pack. That's just now that's what I call Christmas, and it's weird mm-hmm. to listen to because obviously Wham's on there, but also Gary Glitter's on there. Oh god, now people don't know. Why that's a bad thing. Just if you do you know what, go. We'll do a wiki entry on Gary Glitter. No, we won't. We'll no, we won't. Size. No, we won't. Yeah, we can't no. do a wiki entry on what he did. No, well, obviously we he's he released a Christmas song, and this Christmas CD is like twenty years old, so he's he's still on there. Mm-hmm. And it comes on I, every time this Christmas song comes on. I go to mum and go, "Mum, is that Gary Glitter?" And she goes, "Yeah, it's a good song, though, isn't it?" And he goes, "Yeah, but still, it's a Gary still. Glitter song." But as you mentioned, there are a lot of lot of Christmas music. I love like Boney M's Christmas album, for example, which is like you mm. know like Afro um, pop. Like they, they yeah. people wondering who's Boney M. They did Rasputin. Mm-hmm. You got everyone like Ra Ra Rasputin, lover of the Russian Queen. Like they did a they've got an entire Christmas album of Christmas staples covered in that same Afro pop style, which is right, really yeah. fun. Like their uh, my mum's also got that CD. I like what a song that everyone knows just because of Just Dance. Yep. It well, was like, like a, one of those special songs on Just Dance. Everyone was like, look at the funny dance that you do. Because you've got like, to do the okay, full Cossack yeah. dance. Yeah, so I've got that one. And then, just you know, I like my pop punk. There's a lot of like pop punk Christmas albums. I think most of them are bad because mm. they don't really cover the song that well. But I will give shout-outs to the band Reliant K, uh, who are a Christian rock band, which normally sucks. Like the Hank Hill quote, you're not making Christianity better, you're making rock and roll worse. They've <laughs> got a Christmas like pop punk album. Mm-hmm. Now, that's pretty good, the Reliant K one. I think it's called Let It Snow Baby. Something like that. Oh, okay. They do a few covers, and then there's a, a band. It's probably the most obscure band that I know, and it is the mm. band Mexico Falls. That's Mexico Falls with a Z, because they were like a um, uh, an electro pop punk band from Scunthorpe, <laughs> who my friend was a manager for, and they have a Christmas song called "I Hope Your um, Parents Got You a Tombstone for Christmas," and it's an original Christmas song written by them, and it's really fun. And like, it's got some really like clever lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like fall down with a fastest laugh, fa la 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 la. It's like it's just a fun, it's just a fun song. Do you have mm-hmm. a favorite Christmas song? Um, I don't know if I do have a favorite Christmas song. To be honest, like I have a lot that I get frustrated by, but as I say, like generally, I'm quite happy most of the time just putting on 
um, Christmas songs in the background, and most of them just kind of blur into one another. But then something like you know Felice Navidad comes on, and then oh, Felice Navidad's like, so good. It's good for for one chorus. Call. One chorus, and yeah, then and then you're why is this like five six minutes long and it never changes at all? Yeah. It's just buried in your head by the end of it. Um, the darkness song that I, I like the darkness one. I, I contend the darkness. Um, is it like Mistletoe and Wine? They did. They did a sequel to it, but they did the darkness. Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the darkness Christmas song? Can you let's have a look. Um, that's what the thing is. Like, I remember it being the darkness song, yeah. but I couldn't remember the name of it. So the darkness Christmas song. Um, Christmas time. Oh, is it just called Christmas yeah. time? I contend right. that is the last great Christmas number one. So mm-hmm. in America they have Christmas music too, but in Britain yeah. it's like a thing of like the competition for the Christmas number one single mm-hmm. is a thing. And I think like in recent years, like Americans have kind of started to like catch up with this with uh, you know the Queen, Mariah Carey. Just every no. year be like, it's not Christmas till I say it is. And oh god, I still remember once when I was working back at Nando's, um, someone put on Christmas music when we were doing like a clothes shift and everyone mm. was gone. And it was like the middle of October and they started blasting Christmas songs. I, yeah. That was the one time I had to be like, no. No, it's too early. No, we are, th- it's not been Halloween yet. Okay, and That's the thing. John Mariah Carey has acknowledged that. Because this oh, year, yeah, like yeah. after Halloween had ended, she released like her official Twitter account, released a video of her encased in ice. And like <laughs> Ghostface from Scream and Freddy Krueger chip her out of the ice in the Christmas outfit. It's like, now it's Christmas. Yeah. And, and like, like, that's like, always, to me, been like, yeah, that's Halloween. the stopper. Because yeah. like, I mean, they're trying, they are trying, but like stores find it difficult to get away with selling Christmas stuff while they're also trying to sell like, Halloween yeah, got, things. The joke is, goths hold the line. <laughs> they do, yeah. The goths hold the line, yes. And uh, like, they've got to mention the legendary tweet from Mariah Carey of someone just put out like, um, uh, oh, I feel it's, um, is it time for Christmas yet? And Mariah Carey retweeting, but not yet. Because <laughs> <laughs> she knows. Like, she knows that like, she yeah. is now this arbiter of the Christmas time. Like, once she, when she says it's time to start, get, start getting Christmassy, it's time to start getting Christmassy. Like when the Google Trends start just it, tipping up. Just, just after Halloween as well. It's like every yeah. year just after Halloween. But list of UK singles charts, Christmas number ones. So in the United Kingdom, Christmas number ones are singles that top the UK singles chart in the week on which Christmas Day falls. The singles have often been novelty songs, charity songs, or songs with a Christmassy theme. Historically, the volume of record sales in the UK has peaked at Christmas because a lot of people get a Christmas, an album for Christmas. It's a mm. present people buy. Yeah. Not so much anymore. It's more like a symbolic thing. But, you know, historically, when album sales were a thing people cared about, people would buy an album for Christmas. Like, for, you know, for their yeah. loved ones, for their kids. Of course. It's just like, usually an album would, what, be about a tenner. So it's like something relatively low cost that good you Christmas, could get a good, like, somebody. Stuffer, isn't it? Yeah, or like a good secret Santa gift or something yeah. like that. So the Christmas number one is considered to be especially prestigious, more so than at any other time of the year. Christmas number one singles have often also been the best-selling song of the year, though in recent years they've been released by reality television contestants and charity efforts. And that's the problem there, and that's why I contend The Darkness Christmas Time is the last great Christmas song because it was released as a song celebrating the Christmas period, the holiday period, that feeling of being at Christmas Mm -hmm. before it was co-opted and commercialized by the X Factor of like, they don't release Christmas songs, they release songs at Christmas. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like a weird distinction, but I could say like, Christmas time is a Christmas song. Yeah, I wish yeah, it could be course. Christmas every day. 
is a Christmas song. All I mm-hmm. want for Christmas is a Christmas song. There's even songs that aren't necessarily got like about the the Christmas that's still considered to be Christmassy songs. Like, it's like Feliz Navidad. It's more about you know the time of year. Well, I mean that's literally labelled Merry Christmas, right? Oh, no, sorry, not Feliz Navidad. I'm thinking of the other ones like um, uh, like Little Drummer Boy, like, um, hymns and stuff like that. I was like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that literally translates to Merry Christmas. Yeah, I was thinking that, but you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard. To, but there are definitely songs that aren't specifically about Christmas, but they do give you that feeling of it being like that time of year. Mm-hmm. And including, just, no. you know, the um, you're gonna the, say it. Yeah, yeah. You're um, going to you you blow your load right away and tell people about Rage Against the Machine? No, no, no. Oh, no I was okay. going to um, say the song that everyone likes to play because there's a slur in it. And then they're just oh, the like, poems. oh, yeah, it's, it's great, yeah. It's like, why do you need to feel the need to like scream a slur? It's like, just play the clean version. They okay, so, they wanted to release a clean version. Yeah, so we could talk about this. So that's the Pogues, um, uh, Christmas Time in New York, which contains the F word, the gay slur. And every year, every year, there is an argument that has become really politicized by people who just want to scream a slur as loudly as possible mm-hmm. on, for some reason. Because that's nothing's more Christmassy than screaming a slur. And the lead singer died this year. He died oh, like, right, okay. about a month ago, which has reignited the conversation. And mm-hmm. people have pointed out that every single year when this argument came about, they'd ask him and he would respond, play the clean version. Mm-hmm. I don't like the version where we scream that slur. It's been explained to me how offensive it is. I don't like it. I am the original writer of the song. Play the clean version. And like when, when radio people are stations... talking about like creators' intent, and it's yeah. like, well, the creators' intent was to like use a word that was in the common vernacular that they didn't realize how offensive it was. It was just a word to rhyme. Mm-hmm. And the really funny thing is, like, they would have radio stations having call-ins, and you get the usual suspects of, like, oh, I think it's ridiculous if political correctness gone mad. It's like, and next up we have the singer of The Pokes. <laughs> and he'd say, play the clean version. Yeah. And if they didn't, he would, like, call up radio stations and say, I don't condone this use of this song. This sucks. It's like it's almost as if they learned from the mistake and mm. decided, like, no, this was the wrong thing to have released. We shouldn't have done it. And it becomes one of those weird things, like I said, where it becomes politicized and you get the worst kind of people listening to that song. They'll listen to the clean version. And I'm sure you've seen it, Lucas, when the clean version's on. And they will deliberately go out of their way to scream the slur as loudly as possible. Yep. And it's like, why is this the hill that you're going to die on? It's like- Christmas and you're sat here. Two o'clock in the morning, like drunk as a, like drunk as a bishop, at screaming out homophobic slurs. Yeah, and, and that's the like, hill you're going to die on. Of like your thing that you're annoyed about this year is not like you know children starving in the street and I think it's because of the fact that you're not allowed to scream a homophobic slur in a nightclub. I I know on podcast some videos we've mentioned it before, but I just want to always make sure that I mention like you know our stance on that of like no our stance and the creator stance. Is play the clean version. Don't shout a slur. Mm-hmm. Like and it's treat just people a weird with thing fucking like, respect. Imagine that guy. Like basically every year at Christmas time, he gets a massive like royalty check, and then he gets like a bunch of journalists asking him, "Do you want people screaming slurs while singing along to your song?" It's like, no. Mm-hmm. Can you not just look up the interview I did ten years ago where I talked about this? Yeah. Do you really need to bother me about it? And that's why we need to mention like as well when he was active on Twitter. No, he's too busy being dead now. When people would have that argument, he'd just call them a heron vault shite. Because okay. he's obviously Irish as fuck. Right. Just call them like little gob shites and stuff like that. And it's like, there it is. <laughs> now, I should note as well, yeah. obviously, the Pogues wasn't just one guy, but like, you know, the other lead singer died many years ago. Right. It, yeah. And it, it's one of those of like, 
generally, if like one member of a band is very outspoken, then you could probably mean like it's what they want as an entire band. It's as well. It's like you know the create people also about the create. That's the why it's always so funny with the Pogues of like, well, I'm sure he wouldn't want his song being censored. And it's like, and next up is lead singer of the Pogues. You can censor my song. Yeah, and it's partly well when he's singing in shows and people sung if people sung that lyric, you get annoyed. You tell them to leave. Yeah, fair. And um, yeah, it's one of those. It's like, like, why is that the hill you want to die on? Exactly. That's it's what such gets a me. weird thing. It's like people say, well, "It's just a word." Why are you so upset by it? It's like if that's your if that's your argument, why do you want to say it? Yeah, it's if just it's a ju- word. if it's just a word. Like that's the thing. It's like the people who are saying like censor it. It's not just a word. We're not saying it's just a word. Mm-hmm. It's a very offensive word. It's like they all argue, is, like yeah. screaming fire in a theater. Mm-hmm. It's like. And- there's a context. All people go, oh, it's just a it's word like, for a bundle of sticks. And he goes, but you're not meaning it like that. It's like, I said, like shouting fire in a theatre. It's like, yeah. there's a context yeah, here again. that you're ignoring because you don't want to have the conversation or you don't want to be on record saying, I want to scream a slur at Christmas time. Yeah, the people who would argue that it's just a word when your argument is then why do you want to say just that one word? Mm-hmm. It's like, exactly. oh, no one, uh, no, uh, I think no one yeah. wants to play the censored version thinks it's just a word. We acknowledge that it's a word that has a great, it means it's very offensive to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't say it. And it's like, you know, there's a time and a place for stuff like that, like academically or anything like that. Of course, yeah. But they don't want to have that argument. It's like, just, but why is this so important to you? Anyway, yeah. so the Christmas it's number one. Bit, uh, yeah, sorry. I just I, I know that that's a bit of a yeah, doubt, but I just want to make our stance always clear. And it is a thing that comes up literally every Christmas. Yes, because that is a very popular Christmas song. Because it's like you know, it's it's different to most Christmas songs. It's like kind of sad. It's like mm. it's a song about like being drunk on Christmas and alone. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good. And usually, it is the last song clubs will play before they send you off to sleep. Because it's like that na 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 na. He's got that like energy to it, hasn't it? Like you know, the drunken stumble home. Which it's is like what the, the song is uh, trying to capture. The Christmas version of Hey Jude, isn't it? Of like, yeah. It's always the one that's played at the end because everyone can kind of just sway along. It's weird as well because like my favourite Christmas song, like my, the, in terms of like just being about Christmas, is probably one of the weirdest and most depressing Christmas songs, and it's A Spaceman Came Calling by Christy Berg. I don't think I remember that off the just the name alone. It's not a popular one. It's, a very, mm-hmm. it's very slow, it's very sombre. And it's about a spaceman coming on Christmas Day. It's like, oh no, there's a light in the sky. And it's like, and as a kid, it's like, oh, it's a song about a spaceman. And when you're like older and you're a light in the sky on Christmas Day coming down to give a message, it's a fucking religious Christmas song. It's like, damn it, you got me. You got me, Christopher. <laughs> you I, fooled um, me by saying that angels are aliens. Yeah, I'm definitely on the other side of like listening to like Christmas time or um, rocking around the Christmas tree. I'm like, I want the nice upbeat Christmas yeah. song. It's, it's just one of the ones that's really nice on Christmas morning, especially on Christmas morning. You wake up, you put that song on, you get like you get like your hot drink, and you have that on, and it's like you look outside and it's all cold. Obviously, I don't want to listen to it at a party, but it's just like when I think Christmas morning, I think the more chilled ones. I mean, I don't anymore because, I, I mean, the last couple of Christmases I've had one sausage dog. Now this Christmas is going to be two to compete with. The double sausage dog. The double, the double sausage. Dog. It's like, But we did just get the uh, the personalised stocking for Oryx in the post. That's amazing. So and then, and then what you do is you cut the end off it after Christmas and make him wear it. And it's just... <laughs> anyway, due to the common practice of dating a chart by the date on which it is announced, the end of the sales week, the Christmas chart is dated before Christmas Day in the chart week, so the new sales week has still technically not ended. And it's uh, the date that contains 25th of December. The most recent Christmas number one single is Food Aid by YouTuber Lad Baby. 
And this is why I think the idea that Christmas number one is dead and has been dead for years, because it was co-opted by reality TV stars, and it's been co-opted by a YouTuber. And I fucking hate Lad Baby, because I describe him as, he's a YouTuber who's funny, if you're still on Facebook. And just that description alone, Luke, you could probably know exactly what kind of like, person he is. Mm-hmm. He's and funny if you've still got fa- if you are still on Facebook, and that's the only social media you use. It's like, that. yeah. If, if if Facebook is like your primary social media, still, yeah. Um, and I know this because my older brother is obsessed with him. He's like, he's so funny. And I look at one of his videos. Look, he's been a dick to his wife, and it's like, oh, I don't care. God, one of them. I hate and that he's, shit. And he is now, as of like this year, like he is the single most successful musical artist in regards to Christmas number ones, outpacing the Beatles. So he's Wait, on paper. The Beatles are the most successful Christmas number one artists. They were for a couple of years, yeah, because they had four number one singles. He's got five now. And Joe, you know we can get to that. So they didn't really make Christmas songs though, the Beatles. But they still had number ones at Christmas. And that's the yes, thing about that's course, the history yeah. here. So the history. UK single chart began in nineteen fifty two, appearing in the new Musical Express. The position of all songs are based on weekly sales from Sunday to Saturday until twenty fifteen, then from Friday to Thursday. Before nineteen ninety seven they were released on a Tuesday due to the need for manual calculation. The emergence of a serious contest for Christmas number one spot specifically began in earnest in nineteen seventy three when the glam rock bands Slade and Wizard deliberately released festive songs in an effort to reach the top of the Christmas charts. And do you know Slade and Wizard's Christmas songs, respectively? Because they sound um, very similar. I always thought they were sung by the same band, because it's just two glam rock bands trying to like, cash in on the same thing, released in the same year. That's the thing. In my head, I can hear, like, the, it's Christmas. Yeah, not old not, I can't remember these. the names of the songs. but yeah. so Their songs are Slade's Merry Christmas Everybody, beating Wizard's I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. The Christmas uh, number one single for that year was not revealed itself until 1994. Wait, what? Yeah. It took, obviously, that's calculated by hand, and people took Christmas off. Oh, sorry. They, they, oh, sorry 1994. The Christ, oh, sorry. Right. The Christmas number one single was not released on, uh, revealed on Christmas Day until 1994. So on, starting from... I got a bit confused there. So starting yeah. <laughs> in 1994, because I thought 74, sorry. So st- again, yeah. we just repeat that. So the Christmas number one single was not revealed on Christmas Day itself until 1994. So you didn't know you had the Christmas number one single on Christmas Day until 1994 when they announced it, when it became like a thing. Yeah, I was like, man, it took them 20 years to figure yeah, out who won between Slade I just saw and the Wizard. Four and assumed it was 74. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. My bad. And then since then, there's been a lot of like novelty and chart hits, which we'll get to. But the next shift in like the idea of trying to get Christmas to one was, so from 2002 until 2014, 12 straight years, the Christmas number one was dominated by reality television contests, with the winners often heading straight to number one the week before Christmas. The trend started with pop stars The Rivals, uh, with contestants releasing the top three singles on the Christmas chart. Between 2005 and 2014, the winners of The X Factor took the number one spot on several separate occasions. It became such a... The X Factor single was considered to be such a strong favourite for number one that British bookmakers began taking bets on which song would be the Christmas number two instead. Yeah, because it was pretty much a lock. It was a lock-in, and that's why I contend that the last great Christmas song was The Darkness's Christmas Time, because it was a song just released as, like, it's celebrating Christmas and the Christmas mm-hmm. spirit and feeling, and it sounds Christmassy, whereas The X Factor is just this, literally, we've just got it's an entire machination behind the scenes designed specifically to create the Christmas number one and create an artist who you're forced to like. 
And that's why the funny yeah, joke is the Christmas number one is usually released by the person no one likes. It's always the number two people like uh, the uh, attachment to. Yeah, because you're essentially forced... Enough people were forced into liking and buying the X Factor song just through like watching the X Factor. Yeah, and it's the, the same Essentially, thing. the number two spot was the one where like, oh no, people just like this song. Yeah, and I can tend that. Like, you know, the success of like Lad Baby and all these like shitty like, novelty songs is the same audience. Yeah, yeah, probably. It's the same audience, yeah. Of like, just, I'm going to, like, this is, like, because they think, it's like, oh, it's popular. I like that, because, like, just this thing is basically just being spoon-fed to them, mm-hmm. like a baby. <laughs> and, you know, people didn't like that, so you're going to mention, so in 2007, oh, yeah, I mentioned that, I was saying, in 2009, though, Rage Against the Machines, 1992 single, Killing in the Name, managed to outsell Joe McElderry's, um, single for that year, which he's not named because no one gives a fuck. <laughs> Just think, no one cares what his song was. No. Do you, give, do you know what's like... I, I couldn't name any of those X Factor songs, and none of them were even about Christmas. And that's what annoys me as well. They weren't even about Christmas. Mm-hmm. Or even like, you know, just holiday. Or just like, you know, just winter. Yeah, like, like, I don't mind if it wasn't specifically about Christmas. That could be like a more inclusive thing, talking about holidays or winter, as you say. That's fine with me. But the fact that, like, it was just... Here's a shit song. Here's a shit song. It has nothing to do with like Christmas or December or feeling festive or family or any of those kind of things. It was just, here's a shit song. Everyone's going to buy it because it's the X Factor. Yeah, and this spurned a lot of people that I'm pissed off. So starting with a Facebook campaign against the trend of X Factor dominating the charts, um, people downloaded en masse Rage Against the Machines 1992 single um, and it resulted in the single most download sales in a single week in UK chart history. And I remember, I think previously, there was a couple of years, right, yeah. where um, people were trying to campaign for, like, Bird is the Word and stuff like yeah. that. So there's been a couple of similar campaigns, one of which was done by the same guy who tried to do it with um, Never Gonna Give You Up. Um, but right. similar acts such as Biffy Clyro, John Cage, and The Trashmen were unsuccessful. And, yeah, it just I think it's really fitting that the one that ended up doing it was fucking Rage Against yeah. the Machine. And I, and I feel like that's why that caught on. Because, like, mm-hmm. the, the Biffy Clyro one, it's like, well, they're already a successful band, fuck them. John mm-hmm. Cage is kind of funny because they were trying to do his, his piece, like, 4.33, which is four minutes of 33 seconds of silence. And I think uh, the, the Trash Men, did they do Bird is the Word? They I must think have, so, yeah. Uh, surf Group. Let me just have a look. Did they do... Uh, surfing Bird. Surfing Bird, that's it, yes. Yeah. Which was popular because it was in... Um, uh, Oh yeah, since nineteen ninety, uh, since two thousand and nine, it's been a running gag to uh, make it. Uh, oh, sorry, um, a Facebook campaign was trying to make it the um, uh, number one hit. Mm-hmm. Either yeah. way, and then, uh, but I think people like latched on and globbed on to the killing in the name of because it's by a band called Rage Against the Machine, and it's pretty obvious what that symbolism there is, isn't it? Even though people still to this day, you always get like um, some right wing personality getting, like, their asshole blown out on Twitter. <laughs> like, I didn't know Rage Against the Machine was political. <laughs> and they're like, oh, they'll yell at Tom Morello of, like, um, uh, why are you getting political? And I was like, well, one, my band's called Rage Against the Machine. Who the fuck mm-hmm. do you think the machine is? Your washing machine? Two, I've got a double degree <laughs> in, like, political science and business. So, yeah, I, yeah, am it, off, I, I am educated enough to talk about this. What's your degree in? It's just, like, um, a couple of years ago, I think they talked about abortion rights, and people were like, can't believe they've gone woke. And he's like, is Rage, Rage Against, against the, the Machine. machine. One of their earliest album covers is a man self-immolating in protest. 
her and the song Killing in the Name very aptly features the line, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. And I guess, should I tell the story about when he was on the BBC? Of course, yeah, we've mentioned it before, but we've but got to mention it, it now. It's, it's, it's one of my favourite Christmas stories. Um, mm-hmm. So it has been tradition for many years that the Christmas number one gets invited to the BBC to sing a live rendition of their song in the studio for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And when like it was becoming apparent that Rage Against the Machine were going to win... The BBC started getting a little bit nervous because one lyric is, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, repeated multiple times for the chorus. Mm-hmm. And they took Zach Dallarosha into the studio and they asked him very, very nice, do you mind? And this is the thing. Irony was created for moments like this. They sat <laughs> down and they asked the lead singer of a band called Rage Against the Machine. The BBC asked the singer of a band called Rage Against the Machine to not sing the lyric, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. <laughs> what do you think happened? And like. The fact that seemingly no one behind the scenes saw what was coming. Yeah, and what Zach Dallarosha did is he sat and he's like, uh, and he, he did that thing where you sing under your breath. He went, mm, won't do what you tell me. Mm, won't do what you tell me. And then as it reaches the crescendo of the chorus, screamed, like stood up in the studio and we're doing like an acoustic version, like a, you know, a, a lounge. A live performance. Yeah, a lounge yeah. set. But then he stood up and went full like rock band on stage, screaming into the <laughs> microphone as loud as he could. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Fuck you. And then they had to quickly cut and apologize. And then they start cutting and being like, oh, oh, sorry. We, we asked them not to do that. And he's like, <laughs> what did you expect? <laughs> And my favourite bit is a friend of mine was listening to that with his mum in the car and he was laughing and his mum told him to get out of the car because it was disrespectful. Uh, but they would do that. It's like, they're the Christmas number one. That's the song. That's yeah. the song people want to... But by definition, the most people in the UK want to hear this song and they want mm-hmm. to hear the uncensored version. And for me, that's basically when I stopped paying attention to yep. the Christmas number one until like maybe one day it reaches back into kind of just... Charity you know, and... Yeah, back to the way it used to be, yeah. but so I can now see it's, the, yeah, the last it's just been Christmas like song. twenty years of just campaigns for <laughs> Christmas songs. So like, you know, I can see the last great Christmas song to be um, Christmas Time by the Dance. Mm-hmm. So I can see like the moment I stopped giving a shit was Rage Against the Machine because I felt like that yeah. was just like this cultural like zeitgeist moment of we've all realised this is bullshit, mm-hmm. and it was like you know right at the dawn like nascent technology like Spotify and stuff where. The charts don't really matter anymore. Look how they can be so evil. They can be so easily influenced that one guy on Facebook can just yeah. change what the news says. And the fact that, like, you yeah. know, you fast forward like ten years, and it's not no longer someone doing it in protest. It's just some knobhead internet personality who released three back-to-back sausage roll themed um, uh, Christmas songs that got number one. And the fact that you're, I can see you rolling up my things. My yeah. brother thinks that's so funny. He thought it was the funniest thing in the world that he released a, like a sausage roll themed Christmas song. I've not even heard them. The only time I've ever heard anyone mention it is like you telling me about this stupid person releasing yeah. sausage roll songs, and I'm like, "All right." And as you say, it's like the Rage Against the Machine was a protest against the fact that people had fucked up Christmas one so hard, yeah. and now it's people just using their viral influence to fuck up the Christmas number one continuously. Yeah. And uh, there's also been some, like, some, um, uh, some charitable efforts to get the Christmas number one. So in 2011, the Military Wives and Gareth Malone, both involved, again, with a reality television show, The Choir, outsold X Factor winners Little Mix. And I think Little Mix, because they didn't win, now still quite popular. Yeah, they're, they're very popular, yeah. Because if there's one thing Britain loves more 
than um, like you know, up, like you know, upstart people on reality TV. It's wanking themselves off to the military because, as the old saying goes, like everyone in Britain over forty thinks they fought in World War Two. Yeah. So if you just have like a band called the Military Wives, like you're gonna win. Yeah, and the fact that it's like obviously, you know, I'm not knocking anyone for buying it just for the sake of charity, but mm-hmm. obviously. During Christmas time, just mention the word charity, guaranteed a lot of sales. Or... Yeah. In 2012, a supergroup cover of He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, supporting charities associated with the Hillsborough disaster, reached number one ahead of X Factor's James Arthur. Following the UK charts moved to Friday, the Christmas one is revealed on Christmas Day, whenever it falls on a Friday, such as in 2015 and later in 2020. The former year's chart was the first decade not to feature an X Factor winner single in the top two. So that's like, what, a decade of them getting the top one or two? Yeah, just Simon Cowell's dominance is finally waning a little bit. Yeah, and then for more recently, non-traditional acts have been successful with novelty songs released for charity, most notably the YouTuber Lad Baby, who achieved a number one every year between 2018 and 2022. And it's that thing of like, if you're able to do it four years on the bounce, it's not a novelty act anymore. You are the thing you're protesting. You are the thing you're protesting against. That would, I think that would be five years. Oh, sorry, yes. Yeah. Uh, before but, voluntarily I mean, ending the street by not releasing a Christmas single in 2023. And it's like that thing of like, if you've done it four years on the bounce, it's not a joke anymore. Yeah, exactly. And like, it, if like, they try to do that Rage Against the Machine thing three years in a row, it's like, well, it's not a protest thing anymore. Yeah. You're, you're just the winners now. And I think that probably tells you like how much people don't give a shit anymore. That like, No. Just someone on YouTube can release a sausage roll song and people are like, yeah, I guess that'll do. And like I said, it's, it's specifically aimed at people who like, who still get all their primary information from Facebook. And who still buy songs, I guess. And that's the thing, like, it's the people who still buy music. Mm-hmm. But anyway, records. Lad Baby is the act with the most Christmas number ones with five, surpassing the Beatles' previous record in 2022. On two occasions in 1963 and 67, the Beatles had both the Christmas number one and number two tracks. And the first act would achieve this. As part of two acts, George Michael repeated the feat with Band-Aid and Wham! in 1984, and Ed Sheeran did so in 2017 with duets with both Beyonce and Eminem. And again, with duets with Lad Baby and Elton John. And that's the thing is that when you're having a duet with Elton John, you're no longer like... Hey, come on, guys. This is a fun protest song to like uh, get to the top. Like, wouldn't it be funny if my song got to a number one? And it is. I also, I, you know, I will say as well, I kind of think all of the other versions that aren't the Beatles are kind of cheating. Because, like, George Michael is like, yeah, you got your Wham song, but you also did like a charity song with 50 other artists. Yeah, Band End is amazing because that song was so popular, they literally sold it in butcher shops. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, um,. Then Ed Sheeran is like, I guess I'll be on your number ones. It's like, it's not really the same thing either. It's like, mm-hmm. no artist just released like two of their own songs on their own and got Christmas number one and two other than the Beatles. Like, yeah. um, and I will say, you know, I mentioned earlier, like the Beatles didn't do Christmas songs. I think it was just Paul McCartney that did a Christmas song, right? Yeah, he did. It wasn't wonderful, the Beatles. Wonderful Christmas time. Yeah. So like when people are going to, Mentioned in the comments, like, well, the Beatles had this song. It's like, that was a Paul McCartney song. Yeah. In 2022, Lad Baby became the first act to ever achieve five consecutive number one hits. And, like, admittedly, like, the guy does give money to charity. But the thing is, of like, you're using that charity to raise your own profile. Yeah, exactly. It's like the fact that now you are 
like renowned as this person who's the most Christmas number ones on the bounce ever. And then that thing like, like graciously not doing it again this year. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to. I don't want to take um, uh, any sort of um, uh, awareness away from the actual real artist. It's like fuck off. It's like maybe okay. You've done a lot of like good charity work with those Christmas number ones specifically, but how much clout and fame have you gotten separately that you are you know now enjoying because of the fact that you did this? Mm-hmm. Well. You know, we've got now the full list, so I guess to end on. So we start, we're not going to go through all of them, starting in 1952. But I say we just, like, we pick out a couple of them. I was going to say, pick out the big names for us, Carl. Okay, so, like, you know, the first one, 1952, it was Al Martino with Here in My Heart. Are you familiar with Here in My Heart? Because that's a good uh, idea to see, like, how many of these, like, have, like, you know, managed to stand the test of time. Uh, there's probably a lot of Christmas songs where I'm, like, not instantly familiar, but if you played them, I would be, but, like... Mm-hmm. That one specifically, I don't recognise. Yeah, so a lot of these, like, we're probably not going to know. You might know the artist, like uh, Harry Belafonte in 1957 released Mary's Boy Child, which was later covered by Boney M, and you're probably more familiar with the Boney M version. Maybe, And yeah. that is one of the only songs that's been in the Christmas charts twice, sung by two different artists. Oh, right. I'm surprised that hasn't happened more. But then, starting in 1960, you've got Cliff Richard in The Shadows. <laughs> I mean, that's... A bit sinister sounding for a Christmas song. No, that's like the band. Then the song was called I Love You. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. I thought you were saying it's called In the Shadows. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, fucking hell. No, that's the band. And then we have um, right. uh, 1962 was Elvis with uh, Return to Sender. Then mm-hmm. 1963, 4 or 5 with the Beatles with I Want to Hold Your Hand, I Feel Fine, and then Day Tripper. All good songs. And then like they were combo broken by Tom Jones with Green Green Grass of Home. And then came back into the charts the week after uh, the next year with Hello Goodbye. It's just like the Battle of England versus Wales, rather. It is. And then we had The Scaffold, Lillian Pink, and then in 1969, Rolf Harris with the song Two oh, Little Boys. No. Oh no. So Luke's oh. reaction there of like Rolf Harris singing the song Two Little Boys. Again, go Google Rolf Harris. Not on your work oh, computer. Like, if you've already Googled Gary Glitter, you know what's going on. Yeah. There's a couple of, like, some ones. I think, like, these are probably the ones we're going to start to remember. So, obviously, the Beatles songs we're going to remember, but it starts, mm-hmm. like, Slade in 1973 with Merry Christmas, everybody. Next year after that, 74, Lonely This Christmas by Mud. Okay, I don't remember that one. If you heard it, though, you'd know it. Uh, that's a lot of them, because a lot of them, like, the Beatles are the Beatles. I yeah. listen to the Beatles, whereas a lot of these are like, I've never listened to Slade outside of their Christmas song. Yeah, and then we have 1975, Queen with Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, nice. Bohemian Rhapsody was the Christmas. That's, you know what, that, is, I, that feels like a Christmassy song. All the different, like, register and, so, like, tone changes. <laughs> Just like... Deal with the devil for Christmas. Yeah, and then 1979, Pink Floyd, another brick in the wall part two. Oh, okay. That's kind of awesome. Like, just all of when like randomly like these like legendary bands have a number one. These like amazing songs from these amazing bands are just like happen to be the Christmas number one. Yeah. Well, like yeah, yeah. Um, and then we have the Human League. Don't you want me? Was 1981 still the <laughs> okay. test of time? Um, yeah, I guess. 1984, Band Aid. Do they know it's Christmas? Which I think as well, it sums up how. Like that was like a flash in the pan. Five mm. weeks at number one. So basically, oh, wow. all of December at number one. First mm. like week of January, fucking gone. Yeah. Whereas like Bohemian Rhapsody was like in the the charts for, like, at number one for nine weeks straight. And like I know people still play it a lot, but it's just like it's such a weirdly 
just kind of a song when you actually think about it's the message really of bad. it. Yeah. And it's Joel like, makes it even worse. Ugh. 1989, Band Aid 2, Do They Know It's Christmas. Yeah. Three weeks in the charts. So they tried again a few weeks later. But then 1993, yeah, like... Lucas, Mr. Blobby with the song Mr. Blobby. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing as well. Mr. Blobby got a number one. The diseased, like, festering penis. (laughs) Maybe that's when it should have ended. Mr. Blobby. When Mr. fucking Blobby can get number one. Then we had, uh, a year after that was E17 with um, Stay Another Day, which was like that boy group that was like, they all wore the big puffy jackets. They were Mm -hmm. were the boy group that were rock hard. They were like from the hood, even though they were all like (laughs) from... They were the boy band that your mum doesn't approve of. Yeah, even though they've been like filtered and put through the pop... Um, uh, process to make them mm-hmm. acceptably um, uh, not acceptable. The year after, Michael Jackson with Earth Day. Like, ah, Mr. Blobby E17, Michael Jackson, and they're all in the same <laughs> list. Following that, Spice Girls, they had three years in, like, with num- worth of number ones from 96 to 98 with Two Become One, Too Much, and Goodbye. It just says it all of like, speaking of like Flash in the past, the Spice Girls were so huge for like five years. Yep. And then we have, uh, after that, we have Westlife, followed by Bob the Builder in 2000. <laughs> the start of the millennia, Bob the Builder with Can We Fix It? And that's the thing. Still I, better than Mr. Bloppy. I think Bob the Builder is more culturally relevant today than Westlife. <laughs> yeah, true. And then we Old had a, better than Westlife. 2002 was Girls Aloud with Sound of the Underground, at the era that. of like Britpop, followed by Michael Andrews and Gary Jules with a cover of Mad World. Oh, mad world. Gears of War must Gears of War must come out. No, that'll have been, that um, been two thousand and five. And then Lucas, don't forget, d- two thousand four, Band Aid twenty. Do they know it's Christmas? Of course, yeah. I That's thought the that they'd the done rap. like some anniversary version. <laughs> that was the one where they had like the rap breakdown by Dizzy Rascal. <laughs> oh god! So I think Christmas. I think rap breakdown. I mean, I guess it's better than Sausage Rolls. And then, like, basically after that, we have just 10 years of X Factor. So mm-hmm. I'm going to just name some X Factor contestants, and I'm gonna, you, <laughs> I want you to tell me if you can name the song they did. Oh, God, no. Okay, so Shane Ward. right now. I, I, I can tell you I wouldn't know one of them. Uh, and Leona Lewis. Run, maybe? A moment like that. That's the thing, it just goes on and on. Then you've got the combo breaker of Rage Against the Machine. Then just like, it's like I could maybe tell you half of like if I knew half of the X Factor winners, I might be able to recognize the names of the people, but not the songs. Yeah, and then just we have a, a couple of like you know just break um, combo breakers in there every now and again. Uh, the mm-hmm. Lewisham and Greenwich NHS Choir, which probably sucked, but again charity and Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Clean Bandit with Rockabye featuring Sean Paul in 2016. Clean Bandit. Where do I know? I, I know that name. Yeah, it's that thing though. Like when you just look at it, it's like the the Lewis and Greenwich NHS Choir the year after Clean Bandit featuring Sean Paul. Yeah, Clean Bandit's the the band where like um, I used to be in class with one of the members of them. Mm-hmm. I was like, I remember the name, but I don't remember why. Then we have Ed Sheeran with Perfect, and then 2018 to 2022 was Lad Baby with We Built This City, I Love Sausage Rolls, Don't Stop Eating, Sausage Rolls for Everyone, and Food Aid. Every single one spent a single week in the charts. Yeah. And that's the end. Again, it's just as shitty as, like, the X Factor just being like, hey, we take number one. It's like, hey, I've just made a campaign 
through my YouTube channel to be the Christmas number one. It's like, yeah. it doesn't mean anything. I'm just going to mobilize my audience of people who do anything I say to get this. And just for the record, Mr. Blobby spent three weeks in the charts. <laughs> and Bob the Builder spent three weeks in the charts. So Mr. Blobby was able to sing a more memorable, likable song. Because it wasn't just in the charts for a joke. What was the Mr. Blobby song? It's called Mr. Blobby. It had three weeks in the charts. Which, which pro- it means it had more longevity than anything Lad Baby created. Uh, does it truly show that the Coke craze of the 80s wasn't quite over yet? Just not yet, no. <laughs> the 1990 just well, there was some Mr. Coke, fucking Blobby. There was some Coke left and Mr. Blobby had it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the Whoever I- the fuck made Mr. Blobby was on a shit ton of well, I just love the that. idea that like, you look at his like, military wives one week at number one. Mm-hmm. The Justice Collective, like the super group, like he ain't heavy as my brother. Again, a charity single. Um, one week at number one. Sam Bailey, like all of the um, uh, X Factor winners, one or two weeks at number one, which means that you know people bought that single and stopped giving a fuck. Mr. Blobby, yeah. three straight weeks. Three straight <laughs> weeks at number one, which means that other artists were releasing music and people were still like, but nah, Mr. Blobby though. <laughs> but this Mr. Blobby song hits hard. It does. Like Mr. Blobby, I can't wait for that Mr. Blobby rap breakdown. Oh, there we go. And that's the Christmas number one in the UK. And the Mr. Bobby. Bring back Mr. Bobby. The worst part as well, the darkness aren't in there because obviously they never got the number one hit. But mm-hmm. I do consider them to be like the last great Christmas song. I'm just going to double check when they released that. I think like 2004 maybe. Or I think it was around then, yeah. So let's have a quick double check when that was. So I wonder whether it had like overlapped with the X Factor just winning every year. Yeah, yeah it probably. That's why I want to just double check. So Christmas time, um, Don't Let the Bells End was... A 2003 single. Oh, it was one year old. Yeah, That's so not like a bad close. guess. So that was the year yeah. that Gary Jewell's um, re-release of Mad World did it. So it was actually it was just before X Factor started taking That's, over. That's wild that Mad World won over that. So I guess, like, remembering back to the time, like, people were like, what the... F-? At least, like, you know, people of our age were like, what the fuck is the darkness? Who is this guy? Like, mm-hmm. Justin Hawkins, who's just, like, you know, ripping out octaves from nowhere, like... Why are they singing so high? Why are they all in like ridiculous outfits? And it's like, obviously, I guess younger people who were buying songs were like, "What is this like glam rock '80s band doing in like 2003?" You know, my favorite bit is I've got a quick in- an interview with the lead singer of the song, um, uh, Justin Hawkins. When asked mm-hmm. about the meaning of the song on a television special, Hawkins stated, huh, "We managed to get Bell End into a Christmas song." <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I respect that because it's called Christmas Time. Don't let the bells end. Mm-hmm. And he's just like that. The fact that his only takeaway from having a Christmas number two was like, huh, we got Bell End into a Christmas song. Legend. But yeah, that's uh, uh, the Christmas number one. Yeah, like, uh, I've gained massive respect for Justin Hawkins and the Darkness over the years. It's just like they look like they're having fun. And the fact as well that that song was a deliberate throwback to stuff like Slade and Wizard, of like, you know, a mm-hmm. glam rock, a cheesy glam rock Christmas song about the just the spirit of the season. It wasn't like a uh, just completely soulless cash grab. Yeah, like I, say, to, I think... Like, it wasn't like this corporate, like, just synergy of all these, like, ideas, like, oh, let's put this in, let's put this in. It's like, fuck it, let's have fun and make a stupid Christmas song with Bellend in it. Yeah. And I think nothing sums up British culture more than that. Yeah, so and I, I do say, I think it's just, it's held up a lot better over time, but, like, well, like I said, yeah, I still time, listen to it. It was still in my Christmas list. Are any of the... Yeah. Like um, I said, it's the last great Christmas songs. It's actually about Christmas. Yeah, it's it's probably uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's probably like 
the first one that came to my head, at least of like, what's a good Christmas song? Mm-hmm. Right, because after that, we basically didn't have any Christmas songs. There's not a single Christmas song in the charts after 2003, besides Band A20 singing Do They Know It's Christmas again. And yeah, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a shame to be because yeah, I think as I say, it just, it was so out of what culture was with music at the time. Yeah, because like, you think it's flanked like, by Girls Aloud and Shane yeah. Ward. Like, the idea of, like, a hard rock band getting into the charts when you had, like, good, like pop groups dominating the charts and then single singers with backing bands. Yeah. Like, just, like, personality-driven, like, music group, like, music artists instead of, like, you know, a band. I think it was the last band in there as well. Like, the last band to actually make it into the... Um, the charts and stuff. Like, can Does you think Bob of like, the Builder count? He's got a crew. He's got a crew, yeah, but it's not a band. And that's the thing <laughs> like, is, like, when's the last time you can think of a band entering the charts? Not a mm. singer, a band. Like, you know, a group of artists who work together. I mean, I think the last time I remember, like, any kind of rock or metal band getting into a number one spot, I don't pay attention to the charts. The only time I remember it hitting the headlines was, like, mm-hmm. Metallica, because yeah. of Stranger Things. But I've got a few things, though, of them. Uh, again, that's, like, an old song. It's not a new band, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just thought as well, because there is, like, a thing of, like, the Christmas number twos, and they're kind of funny. So do you want okay. like, just a couple of Christmas number twos to end on? Yeah, give us a couple of them. So in 1997, the number two that year was Teletubbies, with Teletubbies say, uh-oh. <laughs> Followed in 1998 by Chef from South Park, Chocolate Salty Balls. Oh, God. The Darkness in 2003 with Christmas Time. Mm-hmm. Um, 2005 was Niz Lope with the JCB song. Oh, I vaguely remember Which the like, JCB yeah, that was, that song. That was a fun song. It's about a song about a guy riding on his JCB with his dad. Because, like, it, was that, like, the follow-up to Bob the Builder? No, or I think was... It, it was just a guy. It's just a song about riding it, yeah. on a, a JCB with his dad. And it's just, like, a yeah. fun, wholesome song. And it, you know, lost to a X Factor song. Of course, yeah. And then just like, that's the thing when you look at it as well, there's so many like songs that would be a way better Christmas song. And they're actually, most of them are more memorable. Like, you know, in a year when like an X Factor contestant won Pharrell Williams 2013, happy. Uptown Funk the following year, also sub number two. 2015, Justin Bieber, Love Yourself, was the number two. And 2017, the number two was Eminem featuring Ed Sheeran with River. You can like those songs or, you know, dislike them, but they're definitely much better and more memorable songs than whoever the chuckle fuck of X Factor won that year. Yeah, and then, like, throughout um, 2018, throughout, like, Lad Baby's Domination, you had uh, Stormzy, like, fucking absolutely amazing grime artist. 2020 mm-hmm. was Mariah Carey. Back in the chat, like, you knocked the queen off the charts. Fucking hell, she couldn't, she couldn't beat him. The following year was an Ed Sheeran, Elton John duet singing a Merry Christmas song, and then 2022 was Wham! with Last Christmas. Because, you know, it was just a celebration of the fact that, you know, uh, George Michaels had died. And it was the mm-hmm. number two that year. Like, the fact, yeah, the fact that I couldn't get number one on, like, the year he passed away is, like, it's a bit upsetting, really. Yep. Yeah. I think he did, he died in 2022. Pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. I, I was taking your word for he it. He died then. in 2016. But yeah, you know, it was a celebration. I was just taking your word for it. I, I was think like, it was after one again, took off. But like, yeah, some of the yeah, other yeah. like just number twos were just yeah. You had like Abba had a number two. Like the village people with YMCA was a number two. Yeah. Like um, so, oh, speaking of the Pogues featuring Kirsty McCall, Fairy Tale in New York, that was a number two. Yeah, it's like there's almost as many memorable Christmas number twos as there are Christmas number ones. Oddly enough, Mariah Carey in 1994, All I Want for Christmas was a Christmas number two in the UK. 
Oh my god. She's never yeah. had a number one in the UK with it. Despite that being one of yeah. the single most memorable Christmas songs. It's like it's the song that ushers in Christmas. And it's a, it was a but number two twice. I'm in the sure UK. it probably dominated in America. Probably, yeah. And she yeah. probably she's probably not bothered by all the money she makes from it now. No, exactly. But the idea that it was a Christmas number two twice. Yeah. There you go. Fair enough. Like the the great legacy that once was of like Back in my day, Mr. Blobby would have won it. Nowadays, it's this YouTuber. I, I prefer like, it to Mr. It's Blobby. always been a bit shit. It's, like, it's always been a bit shit, but at least like it was fun, and you could tell there was mm-hmm. effort put in. Like that yeah. guy had to wear a Mr. Blobby costume and run around. <laughs> I don't know what you're on about. Mr. Blobby is their own identity. Yes. There's no. There's no man in a suit. It's he's Mr. Just a, Blobby. He's just a creature. Yeah. They just found him in the sewers one day, I guess. Yeah. But there you go. That's the Christmas number ones and number twos as a bonus. Excellent. And um, we will cover something slightly less Christmassy, but maybe Christmas adjacent for some of us Mm -hmm. um, after we take a quick break. So we're back, Lucas. I have my coffee. I've got my Christmas playlist um, uh, locked and loaded. And I checked from right (laughs) at the top. It's Christy Perk. The Spaceman came a-calling, but... We won't be coming to call in for a couple of weeks here on the podcast or on the YouTube channel. So while you're, you know, you're hankering for some more like Carl and Lucas action, we will be live probably on Twitch at some point over the two, three week period, right? I imagine me and you will probably stream at some point there. Yeah, I can't commit to like my regular schedule for sure because like obviously I'm trying to plan things with friends and family and just like make sure we do like lots of catching up over the holiday break. But- you say you have a life. I'm trying to attempt like an, to have a live car. That doesn't sound like a YouTube content creator to me. But yeah, we will be <laughs> it live. Does, it doesn't sound like a streamer where they're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stream like 12 hours every single day of my life for 400 days at end. There we go. But yes, yeah, so we'll no like no no doubt be live on Twitch at some point. So I'm twitch.tv forward slash Carlswood linked below. Lucas will also be live at twitch.tv slash Legend of Canto. Mm-hmm. And we can also Again, be links below, yeah. You can also be found on our social media profiles, which again, link below. And uh, mm-hmm. if you want to see me hosting more things, I'm the host for Biographics, Geographics, and Top Tens, uh, at least in the interim, while they decide whether or not they should keep me on. People are very unkind right. in the comments because I'm not a bald British man. I'm a British man with hair. That is apparently you could a, that be is a bald a, British man. That's apparently a deal breaker for a lot of people. Right? <laughs> you know the what? content you is a, like. You should start just like doing a um, call for like host number one campaign. Yeah, because even uh, though the videos are exactly the same, with the same level of production quality behind the scenes, the only thing that's changed the host, the host who didn't write any of the content. By the way, it's, people are very very upset by that. The thing like, is, like neither neither you or previous hosts have been the writers. No. That's the point. Like there's there's a big difference between a host and a writer, and most like bigger productions on YouTube, you will find that one is not the same as the other. Like normally, the host is just a host. Yeah, so it's on fact thing where I write all the articles as well. It's true. That's why I said a lot of <laughs> places, like not everywhere. But yes, um, go show Carl some support in the comments over on those channels. Yeah, I, like... do, I do like how the behind the scenes, because I know everyone behind the scenes. I've worked with them for years. They get annoyed mm-hmm. like, but we like, oh, why'd you get this guy? It's like, we know him and we like him. We've worked together for years. Also, he used to be one of the main writers on this 
yeah. production. The like, reason the channel took off is articles that I wrote and researched. It's like, how dare you, Carl? You're undeserving of the role. It's like, okay. Okay, sure. yeah. Played a significant role in the channel's um, uh, success, but sure. Thank you. And yeah, uh, you can also, I guess, just see us. Uh, you can see mostly my editing work and then Carl himself um, over on Fat Fiend during the holiday break as well. There'll be like a gap over Christmas Day. Um, but like, other than that, it'll mm-hmm. mostly be running as usual. Yeah. With all that out of the way, Monfrey, what have you brought for us? Well, as I mentioned, I have brought something that like might be for some tangentially related to Christmas. And I know for me, it's related to like several years worth of Christmases for me. Okay, so let me know. Come on. And that is, of course, the game Wii Sports. Okay. <laughs> because okay. I spent like maybe about four or five years after the Wii and Wii Sports came out, Every single Christmas, just being like all of our family got together and just most of the day was spent with us playing either charades or Wii Sports. And Wii Sports is a phenomenal game. Yeah. I absolutely like, um, we'll no doubt get to it, but just like um, the idea of their pitch of your five-year-old sister and your 85-year-old grandma can play this game by just handing them the controller and they'll see Mm -hmm. on screen, oh, it's bowling, you bowl. And that's yeah, it. And b- bowling phenomenal. was usually the one we'd play, but the fact I could just like hand my nan a Wii remote and be like, "We're playing some bowling, nan. Do you want to join in?" Like during Christmas Day, and she would, and we'd have fun. Is there anything that's like more like the greater pairing than old people and Wii bowling? Can you see, like, just <laughs> old people love Wii bowling. It is amazing because there's that person that's like the most 300s ever scored in Wii Sports. You're just is like an old man, yeah, in a nursing home. An old Wii guy in a nursing day. home. And he's just like, oh, um, what evidence have you got that like you've got the, more, the most amount of 300s? And he's just got like a little tally in his book yeah. of like, yeah, this is how many 300s I've got. Take my word. Just one of those things like you just wake up every day and just go to like the nursing home like thing and just play like Wii Bowling for four hours to keep himself fit. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it doesn't sound like, oh, that, why would that keep you fit? You've got to think like an old man. Like his bones are basically dust. Just walking around, like, you know, crouching slightly to bowl the ball, the flexibility, and then just being on his feet was good for him. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, being stood up and playing a bit of Wii Sports is more activity than none. Yeah. It's um, like one of my favorite, not favorite, it's like just, I always say my favorite, like a statistic that I like is um, there is a direct correlation between people with hip injuries as they get older and living mm-hmm. in bungalows. And you think, well, surely if you lived in a house with stairs, you're more likely to fall over, right? Because you'd think that old people would fall down the stairs and get injured, right? That's what you think right. would happen. But people in bungalows fall over more, and they worked out it's because the act of walking up and down the stairs every day isn't a lot for, like, you know, a regular fit person. But as you get older, the act of walking up and down the stairs works out all those, like, micro muscles in your legs and your feet. And just like, so you know, it actually in, is a benefit rather than a detriment yeah. over the years, yeah. Because it's one of those statistics that you hear and you think, well, shouldn't it be the other way around? Shouldn't it be old people who live in houses with stairs? Because you'd think they'd fall down the stairs and not be strong enough to do it, but it's not. Because you no know, walking up and down the stairs multiple times per day is enough to just like, you know, keep them active. Like, you no, know, pop into the bathroom for a piss two or three times mm-hmm. a day. If you're an old person, five, six times a day. If you're me, five, six times a day. <laughs> and I guess um, as well, just the fact that most old people, I wonder whether there's a correlation like a lot of old people falling downstairs are 
people who don't have stairs at home going out to other places and falling down yeah. those stairs because they might not be used to it. But I just like that as a statistic, and that's just it goes um, like hand in glove with that thing of like just old people loving Wii Sports and um, just dance as well. Isn't just dance mm-hmm. really popular? Like it's in hospitals, is it? I want to say it's, um, it's weirdly popular in hospitals, with, like little kids and probably, stuff, and yeah. like children's wards. It's like a thing people like to do around Christmas time. Speaking of like blatant self promotion, is like go give gaming consoles to hospitals. Yeah, and um, it's again one of those things of like a lot of just dance. All you need to do is like you know on the Wii, just dance. All you need to move is like one arm. So like if you're a recovering patient, it's mm-hmm. like it's some activity. But it's not too much where like you can be, you know, completely throwing yourself out. It's like something you can just like move one arm quite quickly and you know, for the rest of the part, it's like you're not having to like jump up and down or put any um massive amounts of like pressure on yourself. Until I guess. you put the Cossack dance on for a kid in a wheelchair. <laughs> it's just Yeah, like it's one of those of just that's the downside is if you give a kid just dance and say, well, technically all you have to do is move your arm, the first thing a lot of them are going to probably want to do is dance along as well. Yeah, and it's like, and is there anyone who's more boring than the person you give like the just dance controller to, and they only exactly follow the arm, like the arms on screen, they don't dance. And that's all they do, just like that. Because they yeah. want to get a perfect score. It's like they Stone want, they want to get the high score, they don't want to dance, and it's like, oh, competitive people ruin everything. <laughs> Always. And speaking of competitive people ruining things, Carl, you've got Wii Sports Let's here. Let's go. Um, Wii Sports is a 2006 sports simulation video game. Yeah, fuck FIFA. Developed, by, uh, developed and published by Nintendo for the Wii video game console. And it was a pack-in with the Wii. It's like one, I think one of, if not the highest selling Nintendo game of all time. Mm-hmm. And that's because it was packed in with the Wii for most people. Um, and it's like, yeah, just, you know, one of those reasons why the Wii kicked off in the first place. Like, Wii Sports was a system seller. Like, what a thing, it's like, and as well, what a perfect way to sell it. Mm-hmm. One of the easiest ways to sell a console of like, well, okay, motion control. What, what do you mean motion control? Like, how do they work? And he goes, okay, well, here's a tennis game. Hold it like you would a tennis racket. Well, I know how a tennis racket works. Mm-hmm. The ball's coming out, you're quick. <laughs> Done. And, that's, and that alone is enough to sell it, and it was. Yeah, and I think the fact that a lot of the games didn't even require like pressing or holding a button. Nope. It's like that for a lot of it was um just kind of the reason why everyone got the Wii, because it was so simple and it was so simple to sell somebody like, Oh, come round to mine, I've got the Wii. Yeah. And like you play a bit of Wii Sports and it's like, Oh, this is great. Like all of us could play this so easily. Yeah, and then every now and again though you go look at that um uh, footage of just like the people who know how to play Wii Tennis, and it's just you, the tattoos, you run right to the net and just swing it around <laughs> as quickly as possible. <laughs> you get two people doing it's like a JoJo fight. Like, try <laughs> fighting me at this speed. <laughs> like that that meme of like the two me's just at the, the fucking net. Just like bad it just instantly back and forth. Yeah, I always love that um, sort of thing. Like, because that's the funny uh, side of min maxing something. It is. Like, Wii Sports is definitely. When you're not playing against one of those people, it's definitely like the funny side of things of like just watching somebody just absolutely annihilate right at the net on Wii Sports. Mm-hmm. And then Matt comes in. <laughs> Matt, Matt comes, comes in. in. <laughs> Fucking claps those cheeks. 
And I wonder whether we'll get to Matt in like the um, the wiki or not. But if not, we'll mention it later. But well, yeah, we've got to talk about Matt. Matt. We will talk about Matt at some point. But yes, um, the 1.0 version of the game was released in North America alongside the Wii in November 19th, mm-hmm. 2006. The 1.1 version was released in Japan, Australia, Europe, and North America over the following months. Um, it's included as a pack-in with the console in all territories except Japan making it the first sports game included with the launch of a Nintendo system since Mario's Tennis for the Virtual Boy in 1995. Yeah. Which, you know, didn't do quite as well as the Wii did, the Virtual Boy. Mm -hmm. You know, to put it lightly, to to not put the Virtual Boy in the fucking ground. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like... It's just the games, you know, there's five sports, simulations. I like the fact that it's simulations as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, I guess it, it technically is, but the fact that it's like so lighthearted and cartoony and um, kind of a bit floaty, I guess is the word yeah. I'd use to describe it. It's like, it doesn't feel to me like if someone said, what's a sports sim game, I wouldn't say we sports. No, but like it has to, like you can't have the ball going 105 kilometers per hour on screen. Like, it wouldn't real match because you wouldn't be able to respond to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, each of these have been designed to demonstrate the motion-sensing capabilities of the Wii Remote. Okay. The five sports included are tennis, baseball, bowling, golf, and boxing. Yeah, but here's one, though. What sport would you have wanted to be replicated? So now they did, like, a bunch of, mm. like, extra ones. Where, is there a sport that you would have wanted to be um, uh, represented in Wii Sports that wasn't? Um... I, I I don't really like I can't really think of ones because like there's like Nintendo Switch Sports and Wii Sports Resort that did a few as well, but like none of them ever were as good as like the ones that they picked out and it's, and it's that's really, really, hard they were really to think solid, of, like, weren't they? About the ones that they did. Yeah. It's hard to think of like games that would be like as simple and fun as the ones that they picked out. So I would like something like maybe because I know they did do golf, but like mini golf mm-hmm. I think would have been fun. As like a bonus mode. I yeah, love, like, I think mini golf mode. That was like um, more about like the putting, and similarly, I would maybe, have really like, enjoyed maybe kind of pool. yeah, more like variations upon it um, of kind of like keep those five main games, but you know, similar to like Wii Sports Resort had like table tennis. Yeah, I was about to say like, stuff like, like table tennis. I know they put in once, which is like that's a great variation on the theme. Like table tennis is. And for bowling, you could have had variations like Bowls. curling or oh, curling bowling. would have been so good. Yeah. And mini golf and um like you know for baseball you could have like rounders the batting cages and rounders and for te- tennis as well squash yeah just play against the wall yeah and um, or badminton badminton could be a fun one I know they had some like the trainer mini games and like that's kind of how I ended up kind of min maxing my time back in two thousand and six it's like getting really good at those bowling mini games where you have to like curl them around the walls yeah. and stuff. It's like when they had that FIFA game that had the mini games in it and it's like this is more fun than the FIFA game. Why don't you make this a game? Yeah, the fact that I I know quite a lot of people that end up spending like ten minutes in a loading screen because like the mini games in FIFA loading screens are really fun. Yeah. And that's or why I guess in EA Sports F C twenty four or whatever it's called now. I think and I still get annoyed that they don't um Every year, a new FIFA game comes out, and I say, why are they not going to do my idea of schoolyard picks? 
and they just give you a list of 20 mm. players seeded. Like, probably put a couple of famous ones in there because obviously people always pick them. Just random mm. players from around the world of like, you know, varying. Like, maybe you could do it with stats, like put like 390 players in there, 380, 360, like three randoms. Yeah, sure, yeah. Let people pick like five aside and then go play like a smaller five aside football match with like, you know, a team of five people you each pick from a pool of like 20. And, and that they give... have had um, some similar things to that of like, they had like the Volta football, but it, I don't think they've done like a side selection like that. No, I always think like schoolyard picks me is such a fun mode. I mean, I'd get people like to be more attached to players because people just play their team that they like. It's like every year FIFA puts in 150 different fucking teams, and it's like mm-hmm. who do people play? AC Milan and Manchester United. I think that's probably not the case nowadays, but yeah, yeah. Uh, well, when I used you to know, play, different like, teams, but every time you went online, yeah. it was AC Milan. I um, against me playing fucking Scunthorpe United. Time. I honestly don't remember the last time I didn't just play as Liverpool because that's the team I support. Yeah. And obviously, you know, it's fine when you support a team like Liverpool who are relatively well-ranked. It's like my local team when I was growing up, for example, are like um, Tramia Rovers, who were mm. like a team on the world who were like, uh, I think they were like normally maybe like Division 2, yeah. I think. And it's like, that's the fourth league down. They were either like there or Division 1, I can't remember. It's yeah. like, if that's your local team and you're trying to like play through, it's like good luck when you everyone else is picking you, yeah, Manchester United or City or something like that. I do remember finding that funny because I watched like bits of that Wrexham documentary from like Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. And when they mm-hmm. talk about it, they were fascinated by the idea that teams could get demoted. Now, the, the reason oh, they wanted to get into like, right. English football is because the idea that if you do really badly, you get demoted. But similarly, mm-hmm. if you do really well, you can get promoted. And when his friend pitched it to him of saying, imagine like, you know, if the Yankees had a bad season, they could end up playing in the beer leagues. Like down in like the boonies. You know, that's amazing. But similarly, if that team in the boonies does really well, they could end up playing like against the Yankees. And the idea yeah. of like the level of like competition that helps thrive was so fascinating. And I think that'd be interesting in like regards to like FIFA or sports games. And, like put a mode in that encourages people to not just pick the best team. And I know it's probably more common on um football manager than on FIFA where yes. like people will pick a bottom division team and go from like um you know the the non pro league Just all to the way up and take like a random them, yeah. team up. Well it's that thing yeah. like people always min max they're always like you go online, everyone picks the best team. Yeah. Like but, everyone's I mean, gonna have like their perfect team of like five stars. And then, like the ultimate team, everyone's always like trying to get fucking just the absolute top scoring thing. So I think the fact yeah, that FIFA everyone doesn't have wants, a, like the Ronaldo, the Messi, the Mbappe, all that, and yeah. the fact that FIFA doesn't have like a similar league system where if you've got players that are too good, you can't play. Mm-hmm. Maybe they do, but like to my knowledge, they don't have a mode of like if you've got players who are like over eighty, you're not allowed to play in this league. You have to pick. Not that I'm aware of, anyway. Which just encourages people to get the best players. Which means, like, what's the point in putting in like five thousand players from every team on earth if the only things people care about are the top teams? And that's kind of why I liked the idea of um, Ultimate Team when it first started, and I got really into it the first couple of years because just, yeah. each player had like a limited contract. Yeah, and it'd be that thing and as well. Of you get a random, like you'd start with a shit team, you get like some guy who had seventy stats you never heard of, and you get attached to that player. You get attached yeah. to that player because like, well, he's my ringer. He's not good in the grand but, scheme of things, but he's the best member of my team, and I like that player now. And also, if you've got like, gold players, then it'd be like, oh, but save them for the bigger matches because you can only use them like 13 times. And then I think, you know, obviously, as time goes on, it just became more about like 
buying contracts online mm-hmm. where you got a Ronaldo and you just put like a 99 contract on them. Yep. And it's like, yeah. But anyway, we are not talking about FIFA. We are talking about Wii Sports. Football could have been a good game to put into Wii Sports, like a goalkeeper mode. It's in Nintendo Switch Sports, and it's not the best. Oh, I was thinking, like, you know, a goalkeeper mode. Because the other game I was thinking of was maybe putting, like, air hockey. Because air hockey could have been fun of, like, you got to hold it like this. Again, I mean, we basically got that because we got Wii Play, which is also one of the highest-selling Wii games of all time. Because it was as expensive as a game, but it came with a controller as well and it was like well you could either buy a controller for the price of a game or buy a game and a controller for mm-hmm. the price of a game and it's like well you might as well just buy the the game that essentially came packed in with a wemo yeah um and that had like the air hockey the pool things like that um that was more focused on like tabletop games yeah and i know they put like fencing in a later one right that was in Wii Sports Resort, yeah. That's, um, that's another form that makes sense. Of like, obviously fe- or, it stops people from hitting... The thing you don't want is two people hitting it, themselves. I don't but, think they technically had fencing, but they did have like the um, like, the mode where you like did sword fighting of some kind. Where you'd fighting, like, yeah. You'd, you'd st- cause it was the one where you'd stand on like the big circle. Maybe like... The first uh, thing yeah. everyone would do would just go like... And yeah. just whack people off the edge. Like maybe like fist... Like something like with a sword because it'd be too aggressive for a... A, um, a Nintendo game. Yeah, I don't think they did anything with like actual swords, like fencing. But yeah, there was um, a, a like I can't remember the the name of it, but um, maybe I can click on Wii Sports Resort here because people are going to be like shouting at me of what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called it was called Sword Play, and it's including dual speed slice and showdown, and that's kendo style sword play. Oh, okay, so Japanese would be kendo, not fencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they put in everything you pretty much need, but I love that idea. Because like, all you want is you want to just pit your grandma versus your uncle in sword fighting. Who will win? Yeah, it's like the um, boxing ones. All those ones of like people like try to do like proper boxing stances and they're fighting against like their own kid who just goes <laughs> just windmills <laughs> in and wins. Um, yeah, I didn't realize this as well. Like maybe I did, and I've just forgotten about it because it's the Wii U, but. It got the sequel in 2009, Wii Sports Resort, which I think is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it got a lot less sales because it required like the Wii Motion Plus. What's that? But it was a really good showcase for the Wii Motion, Motion Plus. Plus. Yeah. And they presumably um, thought the same thing. Like, well, 100 million people bought the other one. Yeah. It's like, no, 100 million um, people bought the Wii. It's, uh, yeah, there was a high-definition remake of Wii Sports titled Wii Sports Club released in 2013 for the Wii U. And I've forgotten that that one happened. That's a shame, yeah. yeah. The fact that there's like a HD Wii Sports out there and I just don't even own it, like that's bizarre to me because like I played a lot of Wii Sports, Mm -hmm. um, like many people did. And yeah, then we also got Nintendo Switch Sports, which was released for Nintendo Switch in 2022. And one thing that I find hilariously funny about that is... We were all playing one day when that came out, and like yeah. I, I, bought, I bought Nintendo Switch Sports day one. Like I do not fuck about, but apparently I did during the Wii U time. But when it comes to Wii Sports, like, I I'm all over it normally. Yeah. Um. And like, we all went to play bowling, and all of us couldn't throw the ball, and we were like, "What's going on?" And we were just dropping the ball before it was throwing. Yeah. And back in the Wii Wii Sports, um. You would bowl and you would hold the B button, which was on the underside of the controller, yes, to like pick up the ball. And then you would like throw 
and to let go of the ball, you would release the B button. Okay, like you're letting go of the ball. Yeah, like bowling, exactly, you'd let yeah. go of the ball as you bowl. Which resulted in many Wii remotes inside of televisions. So for Nintendo Switch Sports, you've got to keep the button held. Ah, so they don't want you to let See, go of the button because people will let go of the button and therefore let go of the entire controller. Even all though, of us. Even though that makes sense because that's how you bowl a bowling ball. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, the button is representing letting go of the ball. So you have that level of minutiae and control over it. But because that resulted in people launching their controllers, they made it so that you've got to hold the, the trigger thing is, down. Though, they deserve it. Put your, we, I mean, put, yeah. put your wrist strap on. It says put your wrist strap every on. time you boot again. And it's like, it's like, that is a minor version of the kind of energy people who don't wear seatbelts have. Mm-hmm. Of like, well, why do I need to wear a seatbelt? I'm all going to the shops. Like, wear your fucking seatbelt. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm not going to be an idiot and like smash my TV. It's like, you know who says that? People who smash TVs. <laughs> like, no one thinks they're going to smash the TV until that Wiimote flies out their hand and smashes the TV. <laughs> and when it happens, you're going to be really annoyed. So wear your wrist strap. Yeah. They come included. They're free. And it's like, yeah. Just, I've not ever let go of a Wiimote, but I've had somebody let go of a Wiimote and hit my TV. But it was like, luckily it was just, they didn't throw it very hard and it didn't embed itself within the TV. It just like hit the front and it was quite a bulky TV. So it took the hit. They'll they go for that P-roller. It's the, the finesse shot. <laughs> it's just, yeah. The amount of times where you just see, like, oh, day one, like, new TV, got a Wii, like, big 50-inch plasma, which you, you don't really need for, like, a fucking Wii SD game. game. My favorite like, it's one. It's not even HD, but, yeah, just, like, one one minute later, like, oh, no, those new clear. TV is ruined. It's like those clips of people on Christmas Day, when you can tell it's like, you know, someone's filming it because it's the first time they're giving it a go. I'm like, oh, this will be fun. Mm-hmm. We'll record it and put it on Facebook, whatever. And just like you just see the remotes fly straight into the screen, and you see like it gets annihilated. It's like the same energy as like one of my favorite types of Christmas video is people with drones flying the drone, not realizing how far the drone and the drone flies away. <laughs> just just they fly out of the range of the thing, and it just flies yeah. and it keeps going. And like, I think there's just one that I always remember where like it's clearly like a wife who bought it for a husband, and the husband's like, mm-hmm. "I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing." And he flies like, and you see the wife goes, "It's pretty high, right?" And he goes, "Yeah." He goes. You're going to bring it back down? He goes, I can't. <laughs> and it's just that, that's all you hear. And then the camera gets put down, clearly, so the wife can go yell at the husband. We just, you just yeah. see it like, on the thing, like, wow, that's pretty high, right? Just flies away. Uh, I love the ones of, like, the occasional video you'll see online of, like, the person, um, there was one that went around a couple of years ago, like, the drone slowly going down and there's just a man yeah. running through the lake like no, try, no. Try to I like the one as well where it's the guy at like the renaissance fair who throws like the spear at it and actually hits it oh my god which I found hilarious um, yeah but yeah it's it's one of those things of like it really threw us off because all of us played bowling for like an hour and nearly every single time just fucking spooned it we yeah. stood up we dropped at least the ball at least one time because we were used to just letting go because that's what the natural motion would be. Yeah. But for safety reasons, they made you hold the controller and hold the button, otherwise it won't throw. Which is weird to think of like that actually makes the game harder to play because now it's not analogous to what's happening on screen. And like it doesn't mm-hmm. the whole reason we bowling and tennis was so popular is because like you said, like it's the natural motion you would make of like holding onto the Wimote, letting go of the B button as you would yeah. a bowling ball to let it go. 
And the fact that you had that level of, as I said, minutia of control meant you could do really careful shots where you just skimmed it along the ground, or you could be the dickhead like I am, who lets go of it when you go on the upswing so the bowling ball flies down the lane. Yeah, and that's also reflected in um, Nintendo Switch Sports, where it's now a lot harder to actually release the ball exactly when you want to. Which makes it more annoying to play, which means, yeah. And it's, yeah, I miss, you know, again, playing those like um, Wii Sports training sessions where it would be like, okay, so what you've got to do is like, you've got to throw the bowling ball over the first hurdle. Yeah. And then curve it around another hurdle and hit the strike. And that isn't really possible in Nintendo Switch Sports because the moment it's like you've swung it enough to roll, mm-hmm. it lets it, it releases the so ball for you. You can put curve on the ball as well by curving the remote, which is another thing that people do in bowling. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Nintendo Switch Sports is fun, but that that one thing with the bowling just threw us all off, and it just makes the game that specific game feel less natural mm-hmm. and um yeah it's just it's really funny because like it's almost as if everyone like had their own game but i never really knew anyone whose game was baseball that's for the americans and the japanese people like japanese people uh, fucking yeah. love baseball 100 percent. um and that's the thing is like i like playing baseball games but for some reason like the wii sports baseball was never quite as satisfying, and I always ended up playing like boxing and baseball a lot less because mm-hmm. the boxing was just a a bit more effort and b like everyone had to have the nunchuck and it just like that was the one that felt a little bit more clunky yep. than the rest. But um, yeah, it says here Wii Sports was well received by critics and audiences. It was a huge commercial success. Like yeah, no shit, no shit, yeah, like a hundred yeah. million sales. Um, it sold 82 million copies worldwide, becoming the best-selling video game produced by Nintendo in the world. And the Wii itself sold like 110 million units, but at some point during the Wii's life, like, life cycle, it became just so popular that they just stopped packing Wii Sports in. Because they could sell it separate at that point. Yeah. And I do believe there's like weird differences between them. Like, the later ones now, have There like, is more some refined, differences yeah. between like 1.0 and 1.1. Um... I'm not sure on the Wii whether they did online updates to the game specifically. Not, like, no. I know there were some games that could get updated online, but I don't know whether Wii Sports did specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's apparently like an eight, uh, 82 million worldwide, sorry, was the number that got sold. I thought that was like the Metacritic. I wonder what the Metacritic is. Mm-hmm. Um, the Metacritic is seventy six out of a hundred, which I think is pretty fair. It's yeah. like it's a packing game that shows off like the capability of the system very well, the capability of the, the controller very well, but it's pretty basic. Yeah, but it's still awesome. Yeah, it's basic but good, and you know, um, there is some like extra trainer modes and stuff, as I said, but it's like yeah, it's just it's exactly what it needs to be. Clearly, because you know mm-hmm. it's all fucking eighty-two million copies. But um, yeah, just scrolling down here, we've got like the impact of Wii Sports, and obviously we've talked about some of this already. But like, um, Wii Sports was a major factor in the Wii's worldwide success. Absolutely, like, it really yeah. was. It sold the and, concepts instantly. Yep, 
it's just that and Wii Fit were like the reasons that people went and got a Wii. Similar to how um, with the DS, it was like Dr. Kawashima's brain training yep. was like the reason a load of people went and bought a DS. Um, just getting those Sudokus in. Yeah, that's what people love. Like I know people who had DSs. My dad would just play Sudoku every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I ju- sorry, I just like got really thrown off because I just saw the word Liverpool in there. It just says a study involving thirteen to fifteen year old teenagers was conducted by the Liverpool John Moores University yes. and concluded that players use two percent more energy than playing on other consoles. Well, yeah, you're moving so, around. You're moving a that little bit. And did you play Wii Sports with the people that refused to stand up to play Wii Sports? Yeah, so you mentioned about the Just Dance thing as well. Like, no, it's like, just get into it. It's like it's like when you play Christmas, yeah. like we talk about Christmas and stuff like people playing like charades who don't get into it. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're just making it less fun for everybody else. Like card games. It's like people who don't wear their Christmas hat. Do you know when you have your yeah, Christmas dinner? It's like yeah. the people that don't want to wear my Christmas hat, it's like, fuck off, get out of my house. <laughs> Everyone wears their Christmas hat. It's it's the law. Uh, yeah, um, after the Wii's release, players began incurring injuries while playing Wii Sports, among other games, when they would accidentally hit other players or objects while swinging the Wii remote. Think so. You deserve it. I mean, I will say, um, it's like there is a difference between like the original Wii strap and the one that they released le- like later on. It reminded me they've got a picture here of like they released like a better Wii strap later on where yeah. it clasps in place. Whereas it was just like a little plastic bit that slid up and down really easily. So some people admittedly did wear the Wii straps yeah. and original Wii straps, you know, weren't the best and it still was able to fly off. But then don't worry. Cause you've got the, like the Wii condom yeah. to make up for that. I still, do you see that thing going around the other day of like, I'm, are you old? Are you this old? And it's a picture of a Wiimote. And I was like, you mean 20? Because oh. <laughs> we're now at that point where, like, the TikTok generation thinks the Wii is old. But I mean, it's the Wii. When I was playing the GameCube, I was sitting there going, "Like, man, the NES and the SNES—they're really old consoles." And it's the same thing. Really. There's probably a bigger gap between. It's not yeah, there is a bigger gap between now and the Wii than there was the GameCube and the SNES. It's like, you know, that's like I, I can bl- like when I blow people's mind of telling people my first console was made of wood and I played on a black and white TV. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember when they had Channel 5 when they made it when they made it yeah and did you like is the Atari the first console you played then the Atari 2600 yes the one with the wood veneer uh-huh. do you remember that era where they yeah. thought wood made things look classy but not te- like yes nothing's more futuristic than wood <laughs> <laughs> it's like well you know Jaguar puts out a wood veneer inside of their cars we should do it at all. Like like video game it's that console. era of like the, the fake premium yeah and I never ever played uh, an Atari I've never played an actual Atari before mm-hmm. myself um, the first console that I played was either an SNES or a Master System 2 mm-hmm. Um, because we had both in the household when I was a baby. Um, but yeah, never actually touched an Atari with my own hands. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like because both of us are of the age where we are. I think even you might be younger than the SNES. Yeah, or you were the same year at the very least. Nineteen ninety-one. Yes. 
So yeah. You think, wait, 1991 uh, we had colour TVs? Yes, but my family was poor. Yeah, exactly. Like, how many people actually, especially like back when video games were seen as like more of a premium thing, I guess, like how many people actually had the current console the year it came out Mm -hmm. or whatever? Even now, like people fucking couldn't get a PS5 for like two years. Yeah, I only got one this year. Yeah, and like, you know, I've got a 4K TV in like my living room, for example, but you're not on that in eight, my bedroom, you're telling you're I'm not still on that 8K life, Lucas. You're not, you're not, not got that's 16K. Thing. I'm, I've, not got, I've not got like an 8K QLED. Um, it's like, you know, I'm just I'm just rocking like um, LCD, I think it is. They're always my favourite ones. It's like, it's not even like an LED or an OLED or anything. So those people get really annoyed of like, it's a specific kind of post, like where it's like, oh, I've got like an 8K gaming computer and my girlfriend plays The Sims on it. And it's like, well, she's playing a game and having fun. You're getting annoyed taking photos of her. Mm-hmm. Who's really like, who's really the one who's wasting my life here? Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. Like, that's the thing is you think about, but what's like, you know, your backup TV. And that's the one that I would have as like a kid in my mm-hmm. room. And it's like, even my backup TV now in my house is still like a 720p TV because it's like something I don't really care about. It's like, yeah, we had a big TV playing Wii Sports in the living room, but then I'd have to go upstairs and play on like my barely color TV that was like 10 inches with like the, you know, the ones with the little VCR built in. Those were awesome. I used to love those, when had, I used to love those TVs that are built in handles so you could take it to your friend's house. Like, do you when they actually expect you to move your oh. like, technology around? The TVs are the inbuilt did, handle. Remember when we had did you game? have a GameCube at the same time? No. Yes. Do you remember like, the gaming society? You could have like two handed, just yeah. Carl running around with his TV and it's his GameCube. One game of the things I want to do hand. when I get my own place eventually is I want to get like an old, like, um, uh, big, like, square TV because they still last. I mean,. Fucking good luck with the prices they go for now. Though. Yeah, and I think some shops still, some places still sell them because supposedly like the cathode ray tubes, you can get HD versions of those, and they do. You give can you... get HD CRTs, yeah. Yeah, because they, they, do you know they're what they edit movies on. They're specifically I mean, co- they color grade yeah. movies on them. So I remember reading an interview with uh, Vince Gilligan where he talks about how they color grade Breaking Bad, and he says, "Yeah, there's a guy. He's the only guy we get to do it. Like he color grades like Marvel movies and stuff." And he has an $80,000 television. It's a cathode ray TV worth $80,000. I mean, and it, it's, it's not ever that the technology was bad. It's that they are so big and clunky yeah. that was the problem. And he says that he has one of these, like this television that costs like nearly £100,000. And he sits there mm-hmm. and that's what he color grades the Breaking Bad on. And that's what he color grades Marvel movies on. Because it's the only TV on the market that gives you the quality you need to like see the minutia of what you're doing. And it's like, why do you need an $80,000 TV to do that? It's obviously how good our shows look. Mm. And yeah, on, 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 like so if people though, aren't aware, I want that guy as my dad, so I can go play Smash Bros on it. <laughs> you know that's like, going to be amazing. Yeah, because like they are just literally superior technology, but it's just big, clunky, and expensive. Yep. And it's like, yeah, just if you want one of the good ones, it's real hard and real expensive. Yeah, and also just yeah, transporting them. It's like I've done the thing before where like throw, looking throw on facebook marketplace and just trying to have a look to see if i can get a crt for my, my retro gaming like smash bros, so smash kept bros a lot of my old consoles and that's the thing the smash bros players have got a bunch of them but yeah just retro players in general have but then the ones that people want to get rid of They're the giant ones it's like, yeah. do you want to go pick up this like 
forty inch TV with a the fucking the base built into it yeah. as well, and it's like this thing that's like fucking three tons heavy. It's like it's not really, but you know, they're just giant. They're bigger than my car is. Yeah, it's like I've got a tiny car. It's like, it's like the house how is... am I meant to pick this up from you? Those are like the modern day equivalent of pianos. Because you know, like the whole thing about like people don't have pianos are a fucking nightmare to get rid of. Because you might think, mm-hmm. well, if you want to get rid, of, why would you get rid of a piano? Well, it's big and bulky and. People think they hold value. They don't. Unless it's a certain brand, they basically, like, right. they're worth nothing. Most people charge it to take them out away. You think, well, in which case, I'll just throw it away then. You can't. No scrapyard, no tip will take a piano because the amount of tension in all the strings means that if they start to fail, they explode. Pianos right. literally explode. And that's dangerous. So mm-hmm. you have to have them professionally dismantled or repaired and, like, you know, renovated to be given to, like, to a school or something. Mm-hmm. Then you think to yourself, like, because they don't really hold much value, like, it costs money to get rid of them. And you, there's a really great episode of, like, one of those, like, porn stars or something. So mm-hmm. people go in and, like, they try and get rid of their, tea, like, their piano. And the guy's there, like, it's not worth anything. He's like, but it's a piano. And he says, I know, but it's not worth anything. Like, if you want yeah. to get, you have to pay me to get rid of this. And the guy's like, no, I don't. And, and then you see him just slink back in, like, an hour later. <laughs> of, like you try to get rid of it and it's like no one wants it so exactly because they're huge and bulky and cost a fortune and they're dangerous to have and i think those big series with the equivalent of that of people are going to think they have value but no one has the ability to have one it's like they do but who the two- i mean that's the, like i literally tried to get rid of my sofa for free people yeah and like we ended up just paying the council to come and pick it up because like we co- we literally we you couldn't put get it, it on like marketplace for a couple of weeks, and just people were like, "Well, if I need to come and pick it up, because yeah, I couldn't transport it because my car's small." It's like, yeah, just do, does someone want to pick this up for free from my garden or something? Like, I'll just leave it outside my house, and you can come pick it up. It's like no, no one wants it. It's yep. like, just yeah, the, the CRTs are kind of the same thing. Of like, yeah, a lot of people with specific hobbies really want them like retro games. But they don't want the giant ones. Exactly. And a lot of the people have the giant ones that don't want them anymore. Are like, I can't give this shit away because you're going to have to pay someone to like come and pick it up in a fucking truck. And again, you can't just destroy it because they've got it's glass and they're full of huge fucking magnets that mm-hmm. can damage shit. And, um, you know, that's kind of why I was surprised when it's like, oh, wait, there's a Nintendo... With uh, a Nintendo Wii U like version of Wii Sports, like I might go pick that up because every now and then, like just for nostalgia purposes, just I'll pull Wii Sports back out. Mm-hmm. But if there's just a better HD version of it, which you can probably use the Wii Motes on, that well, you literally will use the Wii Motes on because mm-hmm. it's Wii U, yeah. And it's like it's just it's got support for the Wii Motion Plus, it's got high definition graphics, and it's got the same stuff as Wii Sports has on it and it's like oh I might go pick that up because yeah getting games to look good on like a big 4K TV when they're on like the Wii it's real difficult to get mm-hmm. like the there are very simple solutions but they are expensive solutions yes. like getting all like the the tinkers and stuff like that and like just yeah you can go and buy all these like really expensive 500 pound upscalers and stuff for retro games and buy like individual upscalers for each of your individual consoles to make them look like immaculate Mm -hmm. but that shit costs a lot of money like to just get Wii Sports looking nice on a 4k TV without spending a lot of money it's pretty difficult it is but the question is though does Wii Sports 
like plus have Matt? That is the question. Does it have Matt? Like, is there I anything guess... on Matt on this? Of like, there isn't. This is I was about to say we Matt. should end. It's it like... doesn't seem to mention Matt. Let me the executioner control of Island for Matt. <laughs> Um, that's the thing like, the executioner of the only thing I know about Matt is like oh you're playing the game and just Matt comes in and cleans your clock yeah because there's the only mentions of Matt here are like reviewers called Matt um, called Matt that like reviewed the game um, so, I guess while you're looking I can explain I, that like, Matt is like a, a me generated by the game you can play against and he's reached memetic levels of like um, infamy online because he's like the only me who is like a master of two different sports so you think like you're going to boxing and like you reach the master rank and you got to fight Matt and you think, oh man, that guy, that guy kicked my ass. Well, mm. it's all, at least like you know it's all over now. Then you go into like sword fighting. He's also there as the master of um, that too. Yeah, it says uh, I'm on know your meme here okay. of Matt me. Um, Matt me refers to the CPU opponent from Wii Sports, Wii Sports Resort, and Wii Party. Yeah. For the Wii video game console. He comes in. in memes, the character is often referred to as the strongest opponent Wii Sports, with his abilities humorously exaggerated. And, uh, yeah, the game had 60 pre-made CPU opponent, or CPU Mies, which humans could compete against in the sports. Um, among CPU opponents in Wii Sports, me um, is the only CPU to have championship status in more than one discipline. There we go. Being the hardest NPC to beat in both boxing and sword play. Um, while his performance in different disciplines varies between the installments each week sports, Matt excels in at least one sport and is a master me in Wii Party as well. So it's just, yeah, no matter which game you pick, Matt is going to fuck you up, yeah, basically. And it's just like, yeah, for some reason, out of 60 different CPU opponents, Matt was just master ranking like two different sports. Yeah, this is like just the quirk of the game of like they probably just randomly seeded which Mies would be good at what and he just ended up mm-hmm. look of the draw, master of both. And it's like, yeah, and then the fact as well, like even in me party, it, even in we party, sorry, uh, just Matt also master rank. It's like, doesn't matter what you're trying to fight Matt in, Matt will come at you just with the hardest energy of all. Yeah. And it's great. He's just... It, I think as well, the fact that just the way that Matt looks, like if people are interested... He just like, looks like he's just completely nonchalant. He's just a bald black dude with a goatee. <laughs> but he's got no... It's the me's. Like some of them, no emotions. Like some of them were smiling. Some of them had like... They just had like one stock expression. And Matt's stock mm. expression is one of just like complete and utter just disinterested contempt. <laughs> it was just like... And that's the fact that he... Like he doesn't care. And that's the thing that like, he's beating your ass and he doesn't care. Because for him, yeah. it's not a challenge. Like, it's that um, M. Bison thing, isn't it? Of like, oh, for you, it was the most important day of your life. For me, it was just a Tuesday. Yeah, so like, for Matt, it was a sparring session. For you, it's the hardest <laughs> fight of your life. It's like, you're fighting for the championship, he's sparring. Yeah. And he's like, oh, fine, I'll just go to sword fighting and wait for you there. <laughs> I think that's what makes him like, so meme-worthy of like, because he just looks so disinterested mm-hmm. and so unassuming. That's what makes it funny. He's just a guy that doesn't care, and he's like, I guess, I guess we can have another championship fight. It's almost like Saitama, sure. isn't it? Almost. Like, he's mm-hmm. just basically black Saitama. <laughs> like, just <laughs> Matt comes in, boxing, just one punches you. Yeah. Well, that's the thing oh, he does. God. I love all those, like, compilations of people trying to beat him. He just comes in, and you just see, like, <laughs> and they just go down in, like, one shot, because it's, like, the me. Like, do you know they had that weird, like, Rayman thing about their arms, like, flail everywhere? Yeah. Just your knee falls over and just, like, flails on the floor. 
<laughs> I think, you know, make another um, punch out and just put Matt as like the championship belt. Oh, Matt, I like that. Have you seen like um, in one of the punch out games? Like the, su- the super secret mega boss is um, Doc Lewis. Oh, like, no, I, the... I know the Donkey Kong one in Super Punch Out. Yeah, but... so people don't know in the oh, game punch Super Punch Out, out like the uh, the old black man who trains Mac, Doc Lewis, mm-hmm. he's like you know he's he's always been in every single game. He's Mac's trainer, and in one of the games, he's like your sparring partner. He's like mm-hmm. your training partner. It's like you know he's just he's helping you warm up. But there's a super secret version where he goes back to his younger self and he takes off his jacket <laughs> and he's wearing like leopard print underneath. And the way you do it is by you knock oh. a chocolate bar out of his hand. You knock a chocolate bar out of his hand. Okay, oh. Matt, let's. Okay, little Mac, let's go. And he's the hardest fight in the entire game because he calls yeah. out what he's going to do because he's training oh, you. Like he'll tell, I'm going to throw a left punch. And then he throw, and also he can do the star punch because he invented it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, do you want to see the star punch? I invented it. And it's like, oh god, no! Just uppercuts you into the star. Well, the fact he calls out every attack he's going to do and beats you with it. And um, yeah, the Wii Punch Out was just called Punch Out, where yeah, Donkey Kong is was the final the boss. boss. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who books that fight? It's like little Matt, just, all like five a foot five two, five foot two man just like, comes in five against foot two, a three hundred twelve pounds. Like I've already, he's already fought Mr. Dream and Mike Tyson and like Great Tiger and Soda Popovich. I was like, okay, who can I possibly fight? And it's like, how about we send you against this 800-pound gorilla? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Just make Matt a, a like, punch-out game. Just put, make it for him. They should have put him in arms. Just oh, have his, God, have his yeah. arms float towards him. <laughs> so I still think they should have put Little Mac in arms and just made him run really fast. <laughs> Instead of having long like, stretchy you've arms. heard of arms now we've got legs and it's just little Mac yeah he just runs I still love that in Smash Bros little Mac can wall jump it makes no oh, sense that little Mac can yeah. wall jump for some reason oh but anyway we've gone on far too long about the Wii Sports yeah. and Matt himself just kidding, the man himself he's here and I guess you know it's a, it's a nice little treat for you to get a bit of a longer podcast before we take a hiatus but yeah we'll um, we'll be back in the new year do not worry, we will, we will be back. But just with the fact that um, we record these all kind of within the week to make things a bit more timely rather than fat theme where we record like potentially months in advance. Yeah, also I've got a picture like, for you here, just... Lucas, from the official <laughs> Nintendo um, uh, Wii Sports Wiki. It just, uh, yeah, it makes things a little bit more difficult to, um, yeah. to take a break while still making content. But yeah. Just Carl's just sent me a, a picture of like Matt, but it's just off the top of his head. Just, it's just, just his eyes. It's appearing out, but it's from the um, official wiki that you're reading from. It says this me's page can only be edited by admins because people keep adding <laughs> Woohoo Island Executioner to his title. But like the way it's framed, you can just see Matt staring out from underneath, <laughs> and like he knows. Oh, the Woohoo Island Executioner. That's what he is. It's like you're there, and he comes in and it just claps your cheeks. <laughs> that's it oh, but thank you to everyone for joining in we'll return in the new year uh, oh, what's the speech Ooh. from Mike Simpson that's really good it's like have a uh, Merry Christmas um, a Happy Hanukkah a solemn and uh, dignified Ramadan and a tip top tet excellent Yeah. hope everyone enjoys the holidays and yeah we'll see you back in the new year and of course there'll still be videos over the weekend but 
uh, yeah, for now, podcast-wise, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Cheers. Thank you all for listening.